Our world is built with stories. Sometimes these stories cause suffering by pulling us apart from ourselves and each other. The Liturgist Podcast helps people love more and suffer less by pulling apart the stories that pull us apart. There's only a slight amount of wind blowing, not even fully for the trees to shake or the leaves to shift out of place. But if you pay close attention, you will watch the grass sway fiercely, their hair blowing with every soft breeze affected by the subtle whisper as it shakes each blade's existence as I breathe. While I lay in the grass, I watch as the trees' gentle dance match the inhales and the exhales of my breath. I do not have enough power to move them, these trees, I think to myself, tracing their roots buried deep into the earth. But I do have enough power to match the movement, like I too am part of this piece, this ebb and flow of watching blades of grass move with the trees, this connection of breath and movement like the whole earth breathes with me. I am part of this, I think to myself, as the brush of the wind kisses my arms, as the blades of grass dance wildly as the leaves move with the breeze. I am part of this too, as the blades of grass, single leaves, all sing to me, yes, you are. Hey everyone, welcome to the Liturgist Podcast. I'm William Matthews, and I'm so excited on this episode to have someone that I honestly consider uh, a good friend, something I don't just say lightly to folks, uh, Ariel Astoria. And Ariel is such a dynamic poet, writer, but one of the things that I love about her the most is that she carries such a strong presence about her. When she speaks and she, she enters the room and she speaks, people listen. If you've ever heard her share her poetry, it's the way she shares it. It's the intentionality and the love that she communicates. And, uh, I think that's one of my favorite things about her is listening to her journey, listening to her share her presence with all of us. So I'm really excited that you guys get to experience the, the, the gold that is Ariel. And so also we have on the podcast, of course, Michael Gunger and Dr. Hillary McBride. So, um, let's get started. All right, Ariel, here's my question. I picked this question for you when we thought about having you on the podcast, mainly because I know that out of everyone, you can really answer this one. And I think you're going to give us some good insights. The question I have for you is, can art, or in your example, poetry, help us heal? And if so, how does art and poetry and music or song or dance or these mediums, how do they help us heal? Yeah. Um, in short answer, <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, in, in a longer answer, I, I think that art in itself comes out of very cathartic experiences. So we usually use art as a way of processing, um, either that through grief, through trauma, through um, the things that happen to us in life, either through um, navigating through joy and what that means for us through life experiences. Um, and for me personally, I I went to school for psychology in theater um, to try and navigate through, can these conversations be bridged? And if so, how? I specifically wanted to do art therapy for children um, because I know that there is some type of tapping into um, not only myself, but also tapping into the world around me when I did step into my art form. And so for me, it started with acting. Um, 
Um, and that in itself was a, a healing experience because in order for me to step into the bravery or the awareness of my own journey and my own story, I feel like I needed to step into uh, the shoes of other people and um, the characters of other people in order to marshal with them through their experience and through their pain and their, their trauma. And there was something um, healing in its own right through that experience, being able to step into an experience that didn't necessarily feel like my own, but ended up giving results like it was my own. Um, and then poetry kind of gave me the permission to step into my own vulnerability and my own story. And I think artists, every single time, it is a brave thing to put forth uh, what they create. Um, it is it is a very bearing thing. You are showing uh, the most vulnerable and intimate parts of yourself to strangers countless times again. And that in itself is terrifying, um, but also healing at the same time in I think for the process of writing, I always say that my healing comes from putting it down on paper and as a spoken word poet, as a mostly a speaking person of the art form, um, saying it out loud to other people kind of unlocks this permission and this healing for others as well. Um, and so, I mean, you think of a song um, and a song that marshals a certain... Um, energy of them uh, that kind of gives you this emotion either it makes you want to dance mm -hmm. or in Adele's case it makes you want to cry <laughs> uh, or there's this nostalgic experience all of that I think um, in in its own right is forms of healing over and over again um, and and tapping into something um, that is deeply placed inside of us or maybe not so deeply placed inside of us and so um, yeah, I think in short, yes, uh, yeah. and in long, what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think you're the perfect person to talk about this because you, you sort of hinted at something which I want you to describe a little bit more in detail mm -hmm. here. Um, you almost paint art or poetry or words as something to, something to, to enter into rather mm. than something to just theoretically just think about or concepts to think about. It's like, yeah. I talked about your gravitas or your, your presence as a poet. It's like your words create these worlds that mm -hmm. feels like people can inhabit. And there's yeah. almost like this space that maybe is on the kind of, it's almost feels like it's in the ether and it's like mm. a, a good poem or a good song can just put mm. you into this space where it's like you're entering a room for the first time and maybe you're able to feel some things like you said. Do you think, my question is, do you think words are worlds? Do you think that mm. they really carry that type of tangible energy that can help us transcend pain and or help us uh, see another person's reality as a way in which we're immersed in that other yeah. reality? Is it that yeah. tangible and that real? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I... I often say for me, the process of writing is, is more so the art of spilling. Um, it's not this planned set up kind of moment. I don't light my candle um, and set my music. It's more so just like this this piece, these words, this experience is happening now, um, which in what you're saying is this 
this other world, this creative space, I'm begging to be tapped into in those moments. And it coincides with the present, with the conscious, um, because I think a lot of what creativity is, um, especially since it feels so familiar and so connectable, um, is because it's something that just kind of lives in our subconscious. And there are certain things that we experience in life that really taps into those moments. And so for me, I think when I go into that process of spilling or of writing, it, I definitely have to re-come back to something at the end of it all. It's like the poem is written, the words have been said, the, the song has been spilled, and then I got to kind of like bring myself back to reality almost, or like tap out of this space that I just was deeply into, so much so that like anything else distracts me. I'm like, no, 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 sh- sh- or like, can we turn that down? Or like, there's something that is very sensitive about the space that you go into in those moments. And so I think to create is to tap into something ethereal, something spiritual, something bigger um, than the present, than the physical, um, than mm-hmm. um, the in, in moment realities. And I think that is the most beautiful part of, of the work in itself is that it's a constant reminder of this is so much bigger than me. And yet I have the gift and the opportunity to continuously tap into something um, that not only exists outside of and around me, but also so beautifully um, inside of me at the same time. Yeah. That makes me think of what, what I grew up hearing about Imago Day. Mm. Not the that the spark inside of all of us, this thing that is the actual image of God in us is, is not necessarily the ability to have dominion over land mm-hmm. or uh, selfness or personhood, but rather the ability to create, yeah. to be in yeah. this dance of creating and creativity. Yeah. So what emerges for me hearing you say that is art as this process of returning to, mm-hmm. to the holiness and saying mm-hmm. yes to that. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily to the, to the being all of these other ways that fragment us yeah. or take us away from ourselves, but a kind of returning to ourselves, uh, returning yeah. to what is what's true and the, yeah. the process of saying yes to that. Mm-hmm. Cause you do, there is a initial yes that has to happen. I do think there mm-hmm. is an initial agreement that has to happen with you, um, with the divine, with whatever it is you're saying yes to in that moment. Because the, I know for me, I really was like, I'm not an artist. I do practical things, you know, I do adult things, you know, like, <laughs> sure, I like to be creative, but like, those are not things that you do professionally or continuously. And so I really had to come to terms with my yes, first and foremost. Um, I say that art uh, my my friend actually he says your art makes space for you um but i think you first have to create room for the art to exist um you first have to give the permission for your art to show up because when you do that when you're saying yes in that initial right it means that you are wrecked for the rest of your life pretty much like you you are saying yes to this process happening over and over again for the rest of your life. Like you are now made for um, and with this thing called creativity, um, called artistry. And it's really terrifying to be at uh, the surrender to something you can't control. Um, but then I think that's where um, the healing actually comes in is that every single time you experience this space where you're like, I have 
I have no control really over what's happening here. And yet it is the most free I can feel in a given moment, um, which is in itself just such a beautiful experience. Um, I have a poem called Created to Create, and it was the first poem I wrote when I had to come to terms with. This part of being a creative, this part of being an artist was not something I just simply do, but it was who I've always been made and created and ordained to be. Are you saying that you believe artists are ordained by God to mm-hmm. to to do what they're called to do to um, to create expressions of of grace in the world or expression expressions of beauty? Um, do you feel called, you know, yeah. as as that? And and what do you how do you speak to those who maybe believe they are called? How do they know they are they are called yeah. to do this? Mm, there's so there's so much there. First and foremost, I think, like I said, in my initial experience running from the uh, ordination of it all, if you will, Mm. um, running from the calling of it all of like, no, this is not the practical thing, you know, and then twofold also growing up as a pastor's kid and a Baptist pastor's kid and not really knowing if if being an artist in its right was a divine thing, um, really wrestling with, can I be uh, an artist and still have a faith, right? Can I be an artist and be on stage and be quote unquote glorified in that moment and it still be quote unquote glorifying um, to God at the same time? And so I, I really wrestled with that. And then just in a bare sheerness of it. You know, my dad would warn us not to be the Katy Perry's of the world, you know, like mm. not to become an artist and, and stray away uh, from who you, you can't stray away from in the first place. And it's in, if you mm. really think about it. And so for me, I really wrestled with like, I can't be an artist. I can't be on stage and still uh, believe in in God and so believe in something bigger it's it will draw attention from away from me and so I really wrestled with that part of myself with the the calling of it all um by listening to other people who you know it can't be glorifying because x y and z but in its own essence it is in its own right it it is this space of I can't help but this be my form of worship, if you will. I can't help but my existence in creating just being what I've been made to do. Because we call, you know, arts and talents and things like that, we call it gifts. Gifts are given. Either you give them to yourself, you give them up to other people, but in in the sheer transaction of gifts, they're given. And, and in my poem created to create, I had to realize I had been given something. I had been given something to do something with, to give to other people then, to give to myself sometimes, because not everything is shared, to give to, you know, as gifts that when I was really broke, you know, that here's a poem, like, Mm -hmm. you're welcome, you know, and so... 
there is something where I think all artists in their own right are examples of what Hillary was talking about, that Imago Day we have been created, therefore we have the ability to then create. Um, let us make them in our image, the image of creation, if you really want to go there. And so, yeah, I think we've we've all been called um, in, a, in a certain ways in our own, you know, uniqueness to be artists, um, in a sense, um, to be to be creatives, in a sense. And if you look at it, everything is art. Everything is creative. There's a process of of creating things out of nothing for anything that we look at in our world. And, and so I really do think I have been made for nothing else but this in this present point in time. And especially now in the society we're sitting in, I had a friend who reached out to me at the beginning of, of the pandemic and everything. And she's like, how are you? And I was like, I'm fine, I guess, you know, and I asked her, how, how are you? She's like, great. As weird as it sounds, I feel like I was born for this exact moment in our society. And I was like, mm. it does sound weird, but then also am I made for this exact moment in our society as an artist as a person who who speaks light to things, as a person who calls out the darkness in things, am, am I also made for this moment in time in our society to call out injustice, um, but also to call out spaces of rest and healing um, in, in a space where we would want to go and and pick up and, and start life again? Um, this is exactly what we were made for. Um, this exact tension, this exact discomfort to bring light to things, to, to bring song to things, to bring dance to, to things. And yeah, I think I rolled, I rolled. I don't know where the intentional moment was, but yeah, there is a colleague to this. Mm -hmm. I, I do, I do believe that. Yeah. I love that. Like, what you're saying about being made for this exact moment that really resonated with me about mm -hmm. where else, where else would we be made for? And you don't mm -hmm. have to, I don't think you even have to use like Christian mythic imagery for that. I mean, mm -mm. where humans are alive. I think that's how evolution works. It's like you're suitable for an environment. That's yeah. why you made it here. And I, I love, I also love that Imago Day thing that you and Hillary have been talking about. And I think that it's, I heard a, a talk yesterday from Sadhguru about the idea of consecration mm. and how you, we take normal things like stones and we say, this is now a temple mm. or you can see your body as a temple. You can have your body be just flesh and bone or you can see your body as a consecrated temple and anything that's what, that's what the Eucharist is, right? Like we did, we take bread and wine and we go, okay, this is not just bread and wine. This is the body and the blood of Christ, or this is not just a metal statue. This is Shiva or whatever the thing is. Um, art is sort of like that, isn't it? Like you take, yeah. here's a series of words or a series of sounds or a series of movements of my body. And it's not just chaos, even like a, a fine, you know, like a modern piece of art where it's just like a block of color on a canvas or something. It's not actually just that block of color. Mm. There's something where it gets consecrated in a way that goes, there's intentionality. It's naming it something. It's naming it art. It's called, it's mm. saying, this is not like, look deeper than that. 
Look deeper mm-hmm. than the block of color. Look deeper than the sound of my voice right now. These words that I'm mm-hmm. saying, there's something else here that I'm experiencing and I'm inviting you into that space. And I think bringing that Imago Dei back into it, the image of God, the, the, the divine creative spark of life that is the spirit, the human spirit, the human soul. Mm-hmm. And when we're moving into that, when we're moving into that creative energy, it reminds me a little bit of like, it's, it's, there's a consecration nature of it. There's an element that's almost like when you, one of the meditative techniques that I really like is heart centered breathing. Mm. And it's like, you're moving by focusing on your heart and breath. Mm. You're kind of moving your attention back into the source of your attention. Like mm-hmm. it's that blood that's giving you the ability to be aware in this mind and in this body. And so when you bring, when you go back into it, you're kind of, you're going back to source. You're putting your attention Mm -hmm. back towards source. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that's like, it's a, it's a spiritual thing to be creating because it is, you're moving back to source. You're moving back to that creative spark. That is your, your essence. That Mm -hmm. is, the, the core of your being. And, mm. and when you move there and you consecrate a space or a piece of work, and I don't think it has to just be people who think of themselves as artists. Mm-hmm. What are you making in the world mm-hmm. can be spreadsheets. It can be any number mm-hmm. of things that you're bringing the, out, the in, inner world of what you want mm. into the outer world and, and, and shaping the world accordingly. And yeah. so that, doing it intentionally, doing it consciously, doing it spiritually can be a powerful and yeah, maybe healing experience. Yeah, art for me was my was the doorway to my healing, liberation, deconstruction, my spirituality connecting to the source was all through art. I would not be the same person I am today if I had not started painting two years ago. I would say for me, art allows me to enter into what I call both the stillness and the movement of life. So when I continue to find my inner voice, I am allowed to both move and walk through life at a greater confidence, while also knowing when there might be times of stillness as well. When I experience art that other people have made, it often draws me in to like another space another life that I haven't lived and I always find that whether I'm listening or watching or reading it draws me in and helps me experience life more fully. I was taught to look at the world through the lenses of sacred or profane up there or down here holy or mundane and this reduced the world to to such a dualistic way of observing just either one or the other, but never the two together. And I remember reading a poem written by Leonard Cohen, and I thought, this is, this is holy, although it's not written in a holy book. Uh, this, this is sacred, although it doesn't come from like the Bible or it's not happening in the church. Then I started uh, more and more introducing uh, poetry as uh, in in my prayers and reading poetry as a form of prayer that was healing or that is very healing still so I think that my 
um, relationship with creativity was sort of fractured or damaged um, in uh, kind of a world or culture that prioritizes productivity. And through going to engineering school and then to architecture school, I sort of learned that everyone isn't just like a left brain, right brain type of person, but everyone kind of holds uh, the whole universe of possibilities within themselves. Art is, in a way, kind of like a filter, like an Instagram filter <laughs> that you can really lay over anything. And mm-hmm. I, but I think there's so many things that you can do that with. We did a, it reminds me of a meditation uh, that we did at the Sunday thing this last week, where I had everybody look at their hands, and we went through all these different words. And like, what? It, how does your experience of your hand change if you look at it and you go hand, and then you say skin? And you look at it as skin, muscle, magic, God, art. Like you can, you can lay over anything, all these concepts. We could lay therapy over everything, which creates a very different experience of this conversation. If we think of this conversation as therapy right now, Versus as we experience this conversation as art or we experience this conversation as spiritual practice. Like you can, you can lay these like filters over what your experience is and they create different, different stuff comes out, but depending on the filter sometimes. And this, I think art can be an interesting filter to put over whatever you're doing. It doesn't matter literally whatever you're doing to see it as a part of you're creating the world, whatever you're doing right now, whether you're just breathing, you're creating the world. Yeah. Well, in that way, aren't you kind of saying, if we reframe the question, not can art help us heal, but can, can expression, can creativity help us heal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The somehow the process of being in this unbridled expression as re- again, to use my same language, returning us back to what is returning us back to truth. Mm-hmm. When we constantly societally are called to leave ourselves called to be something else, to be lovable, to be accepted, that it is this intentional act of, of expression mm-hmm. that somehow writes something that has gotten separated. Yeah. But that to me feels thinking about the expression or the creativity itself feels different than art, which maybe I think about as like the, the final product or the thing that when it's mm-hmm. over, we name mm-hmm. and less about the process that got us there. Mm. Are they tied together? Like the, the mm. experience of, and this is a legitimate question. I don't have where to direct this, but I'm wondering like how is experiencing someone else's expression, a way of tapping into that same thing, even for yourself as you're, as you're experiencing source creating in the world does something in your own creative spark go ah and you see the yeah. world anew and you what's that relationship between it, creating and receiving art mm-hmm. it's it's a um it is an ever-going exchange no um 
to, I think of, especially now, you know, like I miss concerts. I yeah. miss live stages. Oh. I miss performances. Yeah. And I, I did a, I did a video for, for a church recently and their band was finishing up. And I noticed I was like weeping, mm -hmm. like legitimately crying, hearing a live guitar, a live piano, live voices, you know, and, and I think in that is where I, I believe there's less of a, those are not our bodies responding necessarily. I think that is where our, our, the, the soul comes in. If, if that is something that uh, uh, is seen as something as being part of a person, M my whole motto for writing, for speaking is words, not for the ears, but for the soul. I'm not, I'm not talking to bodies. Um, I'm, I'm talking to the deepest existing parts of us, you know, like you, you were saying, Michael, that, that going, that going inward, that going back to the source, um, it, it is this constant depth that we are experiencing and which is why it elicits emotion, you know, or outward, um, expression or response to things. I, I think of, you know, anything I, I love Adele. And so anything she sings, I will, have this whole experience with, you know, I, I will create a scenario in which I, I've cried over a lost loved one, even though I may not have had one <laughs> or, or, or seen a dance. And there's something about the way the body is moving that is speaking in its own self on its own, right. That is storytelling. There's, there's a painting that you look at and you're like, I don't even, I can't even fully tell what to the visual is. However, the depth of this, the soul of this is speaking to the soul of me. And there's something about that exchange that we're having that is ethereal because it is deeper than what's happening um, in our physical present reality, in our physical present body. I'm always struck, you know, when we have this conversation on art or poetry mm. and we speak as we just did, we speak to kind of like the deeper parts of us, the, the, the part of us that's loving awareness. Like we speak to how those mediums can like hit us in that core. But I also feel like particularly with poetry, there's something in the languaging Mm -hmm. of of poetry that seems to cut into that it's like rather you know like if i go to the grocery store right and you know they're like and i bring some items and they're like um this fruit is half off you know that right i'm like yeah thank you that doesn't speak to the deepest core <laughs> <laughs> of who i am <laughs> you know like yeah. i'm not like moved <laughs> mm -hmm. but well maybe mm -hmm. i would if i like needed them i'm like oh sweet those are discounted maybe, maybe they would actually <laughs> never mind maybe that's a bad example but you know what i mean like just yeah. casual interactions casual like asking someone for directions doesn't move me to the core of my soul i might be grateful mm -hmm. for it but um but there's something in the way that poetry is languaged Mm -hmm. um, almost in this paradoxical type of language that seems to sort of open up the heart space to begin mm -hmm. to do that, that deep, deep, deep work. Do you, do you feel like that's, that's true or, or as a poet, how do you craft language 
um, mm-hmm. that you know is, I mean, yes, it's the, the spilling thing that she talked about, but you know, there is, there's the editing phase too mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of any creative project. Can you maybe speak to that? that process of, 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 of language and how language used in certain ways and certain cadences and certain rhythms really open up the heart, um, and, 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 and become the vehicle by which we can accept deeper truths. Mm. I feel as though I'm so bad at this because I, I don't, I don't edit stuff, <laughs> to be completely honest. I don't. The whole point of the spilling and, and its initial just outpouring, there is an intentionality in that in that first exposure to it. I might tweak things if I'm writing a book, you know, but for the most part, any poem I've written has just been the poem I've written. Um, and there was something about how he how it existed in its first breath that was on purpose. Um, and I don't, I don't take that lightly. So if I do ever edit anything, I always keep the original version of it um, because I may come back to that. Um, I may still want a piece of, of that first part. And so for me, I, I, I think in metaphor, <laughs> I think in, yeah. And simile, I think. And and so when people say something to me, like I, I do poems for couples, um, like I listen to their love story and then I take notes. And then by the end of it, I stop taking notes and I just start writing a poem because it's how it's how I'm hearing what they're saying to me. So Ooh. as I spit that back out to people, they're like, what in the world? And I'm like, but that's what you said to me that that's how my brain computed what it is that you said. So you, you said we met, you know, at a baseball game. And, and I, I think, you know, there, there, this love is a home run, you know, or whatever. So that's just kind of how my brain like in, inputs it, you know, like I, I'm just taking in what I've, what I've heard. And so when you, when you put that back out to people, what's so beautiful about it is, is not that it wasn't what was said. It wasn't, what they didn't need. It was what they already said, what they did need. And I just re re gave it back to them in a way that sounded different, but their heart and yeah, but their heart and soul already knew it. So it's always fascinating to me that that is the response I get to people. They're like, how did you like stop reading my diary or, or like, how did you know I needed to hear that? And I think the one that is just a common reminder that the human experience though varying, um, it has a very similar and universal thread. I also think that plays into the tune of I've, I've, my background in psychology is purposely for me to understand people and, and why they work the way they work, why their heart um, is wired the way it's wired. And then funneling that into poetry feels like I kind of cheat, you know, like I'm, I'm purposely pulling on your heartstrings because I know I have been gifted to do so. Poetry is the same. It is it is taking those experiences that are really just the thread between us in the first place. And then you make it sound pretty. You know, you paint a picture with it. You create a moment with it. Um, and that brings people in because we love stories. And poetry is, is a story. Um, yeah. When you said, that's how I'm hearing it. Like you're hearing it by expressing at some point the, the hearing becomes the expressing and they become blurred. Mm. That 
mm-hmm. where you're in the line between you, mm-hmm. that space that's like, it sounds very much like a flow state to me that you're talking about where you're like mm-hmm. this state of creativity that feels it's, it's not limited by your sense of self anymore. It's not just mm-hmm. about the ego doing something that the ego wants to do. There's like, you get called into this greater space, this space mm-hmm. of connectivity, this space of divine spark of creativity. And yeah. I, it makes me think of like, there is something there people talk about like where it feels like there's this outside source. So you hear people, whether if you might hear a Christian be like, God gave me this song or yeah. uh, somebody that's in just like a flow state where it does not feel like I made this, that I, this mm-hmm. is just me. It's like coming through me. I'm channeling it. Mm-hmm. And when you really are in that experience, I th- there is something that it does. It does feel larger than just your individual small ego. And, and I think it is bigger than your small. It is actually the universe continuing to create itself. It is. Yeah. You can, how can the ego take credit for that idea? Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't like by effort come up with that great idea. It just happened. It mm-hmm. was gifted through that vessel to the universe. Mm-hmm. And so you can feel that when it's happening to you. And I think the more that you see that, even when you engage, going back to my question about how the listening and the speaking, you know, like how engaging in art versus creating an art go together. I do think both of them can bring you to that space. Like when you're mm-hmm. fully engaging in an, a piece of art, whether it's your own or somebody else's, it can bring you into that space that is less divided mm-hmm. uh, uh, between you and I, because mm-hmm. it's not the artist gets lost in that divine spark the listener gets lost in that divine spark and it just is this um the newness the the spirit mm-hmm. of of fresh isness <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's this very um old like oh there you are kind of moment both to yourself and also to the to a person or people or or whoever is in that moment with you it's like oh there there I am and oh there you are as if we've not been in this space together the whole time you know um and I I actually I have this poem that I wrote at this park that's like by our house and um my my apple watch was like reminding me to breathe because of apparently I forget to do that sometimes. And, and so I started, I put my book down and I started breathing and I noticed like the grass was like swaying furiously. And then I look up and the trees are moving too. And I'm like, I, I don't have the power to do these things, right. To move the grass, to move the tree. However, at the same time I am inhaling and exhaling, there's movement happening in those things as well which is this reminder of, oh, I'm a part of this. I've always been a part of this. We've always been a part of this. Um, whatever this is, this existence, this living, this um, humanity, this society, um, we've always been a part of this, but things created division here and there and made us forget that. Not that we were never were, um, but that we always have been. And and like Hillary was talking about earlier, this returning um, mm. to being this connectedness that has always been part 
of who we are and why we, what we do and why we exist and how we interact with each other. It has always been there. And then it's just this reminder of, oh, there I am. And oh, there you are. And oh, we have been connected and part of this, this whole time. What that, if we can go back, like linking that to what your question, William, I was immediately thinking about the, the indigenous tradition, at least um, mm. for the people on whose land I live, where the, the belief is that whatever spirit you create something in gets infused into the thing itself as mm. if it actually, your, whatever's happening for you, which is why I've been told, like, don't make something when you're bitter. Don't make a piece mm. of art for someone when you're, you know, mm when you're angry at them or, or angry about something because it will become part of the substance mm. of what's created itself, yeah. that there is this, this ability that seems wordless and beyond my capacity to understand it for us to experience somebody else through what they create mm. in a, in a felt sense. Um, like you were talking about what it's like to, uh, to feel with a song an Adele mm. song and all of a sudden become part of this world that you haven't lived, but all of mm. a sudden you can enter into something else because of that. But I like to think about that as being because a, a part of whatever's happening for us gets, gets woven into it. Yeah. But in this conversation, I have to say that my struggle with the way that we're languaging it, or maybe some tension in me has to do with what it means for those of us who don't feel the ordination Mm. who don't feel the calling and what, what happens when, when art and creativity is something we have to do as a spiritual discipline, because mm. it, it feels like it got so cut off from us or we were, it's so not a part of how we move through this world and, and thinking about creativity and expression as both something that some people are called to in a very specific kind of singular way, but actually something that's in, inherently part of our wholeness as being human and something mm -hmm. we, we actually need to do. Otherwise we get fragmented or we get stifled or whatever's moving through us gets stifled in such a way that it actually harms us. Like I've heard it said that unused mm -hmm. creativity metastasizes, that it's not benign, that we actually need to keep dipping mm -hmm. into this part of ourselves in order to keep ourselves whole. And yet for some of us, that is such a discipline mm -hmm. to engage in. And it doesn't feel uh, mystical and like something is spilling. So I, I'm just curious about for the three of you, particularly who, who make your way in the world as artists in a way that I, I don't, I'd be curious about the discipline piece of it too, the, how, mm. how you have committed yourself to showing up or to create the container within which you could hold the muse when it comes. Mm. But don't you think Hillary, that you do that when you're in a flow state with a patient or yeah. client that like, or on a podcast or writing where you get into this state where what's inside your imagination of what could be said what body position could be taken to communicate something that's effective, that communicates mm -hmm. something that is like moves that person towards belonging or love. Mm -hmm. or, does that not feel like something that's almost like coming through you sometimes? Oh yeah. hundred percent. But the discipline piece of it for me is that I spend most of my free time 
reading academic literature about the therapeutic process and how people change mm-hmm. and, and paying attention to what is what are the biophysiological markers of a Duchenne smile, a specific smile that tells us if it's a genuine smile versus if it's a performed smile and noticing the difference between those mm. and how micro movements around the eyes look. What is this one? That what? feels like art to me. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, maybe and maybe that's what we're sitting in the tension of, of like you were talking about earlier, this art has a has a stereotype to it right has a stigma mm-hmm. to it has a specific to it um mm-hmm. so and in in that first word it's like you know so so many people i'm just i'm not an artist you know i'm not a writer so then going back to the fullness of expression this where you're an expressionist um because mm-hmm. you can look and and decide from a person's smile whether or not you know what kind of smile it is or even just the flow of conversation in, in, in the podcast, you know, that I've, that I've had the honor of listening to and taking in, there's, there's a flow, there's a connectability mm-hmm. that happens in the conversations. And so I think first and foremost is to, to debunk the assumption um, that art has to be or look any certain way is the first and foremost thing you in your own right as as a therapist as a as a connector of of traumas and griefs and experiences for people is an art if you will um um, and so i think that would be my first thing is to to first just bare minimum um yeah debunk that stereotype of what what art is and and then to bring into the conversation expression. It is all expression in its own right. And we express in varying different ways um, that that match who we are and how we show up in this world. Um, but all of it being a form of creation, all of it for, uh, being a form of expression. You might notice that I didn't say that I'm not an artist. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually think that what I do is extremely, mm-hmm. extremely creative. But I think that 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 binary that we create of like art needs to look a certain way mm-hmm. stops people from doing the showing up. Mm. Like I heard Audrey Sad give uh, a description of this as it related to spiritual practice recently, that that these miracles are like little butterflies that come in. But our job is to weave a tighter net mm. so that we can catch them when they do come. Mm. And what I'm curious about is how when we don't have that felt sense of expression, how we, how we remind ourselves that that is an important thing to go after Mm. because some people might not self-identify as being ordained as creative. Mm -hmm. And yet it's something that is essential for our fullness. And so how do we, how do we commit ourselves to showing up so that that unused creativity doesn't do us harm? And how do we, for the people who don't see themselves as creative make the space in their life to, to adventure or mm-hmm. to see what already is creative in such a way that, that we can break down the binaries of what is art and what is not. Mm. I, so I, I think part of this Hillary though, is, is the recognition that everyone does have a calling whether it feels mm-hmm. or comes to them in some mystical form or whether it simply is, I would argue that the calling is the thing that you're drawn to. The question mm-hmm. you keep wanting to ask, the curiosity that's brewing inside of you. That is, that is the calling and the calling can change. It can morph and it will through all of our lives. And I think even, yes, we talked about it in kind of mystical, maybe language or metaphorical language. 
But I, I think that how people show up is to believe that they are that thing. Like, mm. so actually you do need to believe that you are creative before you can really show up mm. to be creative, right? Mm. You have to know that the thing that you are putting your hand to, whatever it is, not just the stereotypes like we identified of what an artist is, but whatever you're putting your hand to, that I can be creative in this. Whether I'm laying mm-hmm. bricks, I can be creative in my expression of laying bricks. Whether I am uh, bagging groceries, I can be creative in my expression and the, and the life-giving artfulness of like how I bag these groceries, right? Like, Mm. but it comes from a, you have to start with the, with the belief that, Mm -hmm. that what, what I do matters, that what I produce is important. And there are ways in which I can do that, that are, that are artful and life giving because then it becomes a curiosity question and far less of simply a discipline question of like, let me you know, and learn the scales for the next, you know, month let me you know that becomes the easy part of like doing the discipline of how can i how can I, whatever my creative expression is or whatever my expression is doesn't even have to be creative but whatever my expression is how can i get, do it a little bit better right and then it, it i feel like it becomes then a place of want wonder rather than a pl- like simply like i've got to make my my <laughs> you know, like my yeah. discipline bed and do it and like write every day and da 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 not saying those any of those are bad but i i do think it has if you come from the the belief that you are creative then you will naturally make room for anything in your life to work out that creativity you will move heaven and earth to make that creativity possible it becomes less about like an external thing and more of a core function of who you are So maybe the discipline then, like when I think about discipline, I don't think about harshness or criticism or rigidity. I think about it as commitment or like mm-hmm. the the choice to show up. That like I think about you, Ariel, saying saying yes as your discipline, that you have made a commitment mm-hmm. to when the spilling feels like it's about to happen, to notice what that feels like and to say yes to it and to have the avenue like, okay, voice memo, or like, I'm mm-hmm. going to write this down. And maybe the, maybe the discipline in light of what you're saying, William needs to be to, to choose to see ourselves as creative in a world that has told us we're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that and the everything discipline, else flows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is like, oh, I have choice here and I have choice about how I show up in this space. And that is my creative expression mm-hmm. and anything that holds holds me back from that, um, isn't necessarily spirit moving through me, isn't necessarily me in my, in my fullness. So, so I'm choosing to see my option to be creative here. Can I, uh, offer something? I don't generally share this a lot, but I would love to offer something, um, as a practical principle of what you just shared as a singer, particularly as a worship leader, it was easy to stand on a stage and sing songs other people had written, even I had written. But early on, kind of in my development as a worship leader, I began to engage in spontaneous uh, free flow worship, right? And and where which I would just create something out of a moment. And when I lived in Kansas City, we we were trained in spontaneous flow. 
which mm. simply meant I would, you know, I remember I would show up and, you know, we would sing from the Bible or something. And I had to come up with a spontaneous melody. And maybe I had a, some language from the Bible, but ultimately I had to create a melody and a flow that, that was, I could sing. And then there's just, that was happening, the free flow of that. But then if you were in Kansas City, we did this harp and bowl model of uh, worship and intercession. There were rankings for the singers, the prophetic singers, and the, there was singer number one, two, three, four, five, six, right? And if wow. you got to singer number one, then you were the chorus leader, which meant that your job was to come up with a repeatable chorus that everybody could sing. <laughs> and you had to do it in like less than, wow. you know, you had to come up with it in seconds, right? I never had the were you option. Singer one? I eventually worked my way up to single one. Absolutely. And that's why I'm here today. <laughs> and that's what got me where it got me. No, and truthfully, it did. And here's why. Because I never had the, ch- I, I, no matter how I felt, when I showed up to a worship set, I knew that it was my job as singer number one to come up with that repeatable chorus mm. that I can get a whole room to sing. Didn't matter mm. how I felt. Didn't matter, like, uh, what the melody was it didn't none of it matter i didn't have like that was that was my first choice was to show up and say yes that i knew that if i opened my mouth god would fill it that if i opened my mouth to be creative and spontaneous then something would come out and the more that i did it the easier it became to simply just to to do the thing that needs to get say the thing that needs to get said and do the thing that needs to be done especially in a in a creative creative realm and i i think so much of this is exactly how you described of like saying, having that commitment to say yes to creativity, to mm-hmm. say, regardless of how I feel, I know when I open my mouth or I put my pen to pad or, or in whether I'm a therapist and, and I'm looking for these connections to help this patient or like I said, I'm a, I'm, I'm laying bricks or I'm, I'm a grocer, whatever that is, there is an artful expression to it. And if I show up and say yes to it, um, I'm, then I'm not going to be found lacking. And I mm-hmm. think that's the kind of secret sauce of creativity is that there is a deep well of abundance that lives inside of each and every one of us. And just by saying yes to it, I can actually open that well inside of me that is infinite, that is, is, uh, as big as the cosmos, right? And I think the fear is that we don't have enough, that the mm. scarcity thing that we don't, mm. we, we won't have enough to say, there won't be enough to, to sing. There won't be enough to movement there. Somebody else will always do it better. Right. But, yeah. but like you said, it's the commitment, but all of you have said to, to showing up and being creative. And I think in my life, that situation taught me that if I walk into a studio, I can write a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be the best song, but I can write a song, right? right. Like, yeah. It may not be the Grammy winning song like Michael Gunger, but it, it's going to be a song, right? Yeah. Like I can walk into a podcast and maybe don't, you know, and, and, and find something to say that because I'm choosing to tap into a deeper space in me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Even if I feel tapped out sometimes, yeah. right? Like, and yeah. we do it too when we show up in the space and, and do that. Uh. When I was a little girl, my mommy used to tell me, 
that whenever someone would tell me I was black, I would scream that I was pink instead. And for a really long time, I wanted to be a barista so that I could love strangers without even knowing them. And for too long, I hushed the novel streaming from this tongue because I never thought that what I had to say was good enough. I never thought that who I was was good enough. If I were to get a second tattoo, I would have them ink out the words worthy on my wrist so that it goes back into my bloodstream because for too long, I've been conditioned and thinking that I am defined by what I do and not simply by who I I am and and I heard someone say once that they don't give power to young people because they don't think that they can handle it but but who's to say that I'm not capable of turning this world inside out who's to say that this body and soul can be contained within logical you know I don't know about you but I believe in more than just the logical that our list and expectations are no match for the already written plan your purpose destined in the fact that you were called called to speak and to teach called to orchestrate and to dance and maybe Maybe you're so afraid of it all because it doesn't make sense, but I'm sorry that I'm not sorry that sometimes the best things in this life just don't make sense. I've always wondered why these restless feet stumbled headfirst into poetry and not medicine, why why my life desires to leave footprints in word form everywhere that I go. I guess I was just afraid of the burning bush placed inside this soul. See, I, I am an artist and they will tell me that art will do nothing but keep me distracted. But I'm tired of pretending that every spill of a poem is not a prayer and that every stage is not a sanctuary. See, we, we are all artists created to create and yet our own worst enemy and our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be talented, brilliant, fabulous, gorgeous? Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve this world. Marianne Williamson. And I know, I know, I know that there are fears tucked in your conscious like little monsters that just keep showing up. And that game of comparison you play will strip you of the marvel in your own story. There will always be someone who comes along and does something a little bit differently than you. They will laugh with more of a twinkle and walk as if they were floating instead. But honey, you, honey, there will never be another one like you because you were placed on this earth to leak goodness like something crucial and be the most beautifully flawed heaven on earth that the world has ever seen, that the world has ever seen. And so I guess I will stop being afraid of how I can contribute. I'll pick up my pen, sew beauty back into this world every day that I can, even if it's the very last thing that I ever I similarly feel calling and feel in in what you're saying, Ariel, this resonance of almost like a compulsion, like I have to, there is like mm-hmm. something driving me towards these certain ways of being in the world. Mm-hmm. But I want to acknowledge that there is beauty and goodness and uh, importance in creativity and play, mm-hmm. even when there, when there isn't a felt sense of calling. Mm-hmm. Even when there isn't a felt sense of ordination that, that we can choose to carve out space in our lives in order to enter 
to build this container, to, to engage in a process of expression and practice holding back the critic that tells us, well, that's not art or that it can't look that way. Um, and in that way we are, we are doing the healing, like to go us, go back to this question that we started with, can art help us heal? Whenever I think about healing, I think what needs healing? Where's the hurt? Can art help us with the hurt? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the hurt is felt in an individual way. And sometimes the hurt is collective because we, um, have learned to see everything as separate. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, the practice of moving into play, the practice of moving into creativity for the purpose of connecting to ourselves and what's around us and expressing to me feels like a way that we restore what's been artificially separated. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's so true, Hillary, because art really does help us make sense of a chaotic universe and it helps us reconcile um, and put things together that feel kind of out of order. And just the process alone is, is deeply healing. Um, whichever practice we, we implore, mm-hmm. um, it's deeply, deeply healing. Thank you for bringing that up. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ariel, for mm-hmm. lending your voice, your, your sweetness, your, your presence. We love you power. so much. And your power. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being here. What a treat. <laughs>